0: good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt. I'm the senior pastor here at Center Point Fellowship. I want to welcome all the people who are worshiping with us at uh, Wetumpka and Cloverdale, Pike Road, other places on the World Wide Web. We're glad that you're with us. Today we're starting a series, Counting Down Toward Easter. We're a few weeks away. And what if I could show you passages in the Bible that were written a thousand years before the crucifixion, yet they describe the crucifixion perfectly? Would you be interested? Well, I hope so, because that's what we're going to do today. And if you're not interested, sorry, you're going to have to sit through it. No, you'll be fascinated by this. And I hope one of the reasons it fascinates you, because it not only gives you confidence then that the Bible is God's word, but that God speaks to us and wants us to know what he's up to. He certainly wanted us to know what he was up to when it came to the crucifixion of Jesus and why that was important. And so today I want to talk with you about a a psalm, Psalm 22, that did exactly that. You'll find an outline In your bulletin, Psalm 22, the psalm of the cross, written approximately 1,000 years before the crucifixion ever happened. Let's pray, and you'll see why uh, I'm such a big fan of this. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I pray that you'll speak, you'll move me out of the way, you'll teach us some things we need to know about the crucifixion from a psalm that David wrote 1,000 years before the crucifixion happened. Please remind us of the things that are important. We love you, Lord. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. So, point one in your outline, it simply says what I just said, so I'll repeat myself here. A thousand years in advance, David wrote a psalm that foreshadowed uh, Jesus' crucifixion with amazing accuracy. Now, before I get into the psalm itself, I want to make two notes. Jesus' suffering, death, and resurrection were fulfillments of prophecy. And every now and then, I like to hit prophecy sections here, both in the Old Testament and the New. In the Old Testament, we find out about things that were going to happen in the New Testament. In the New Testament, we find about things that are yet to come. And if the prophecies of the Old Testament are fulfilled in the New, well, then it would stand to reason, since in the same book, the prophecies in the New Testament are going to be fulfilled sometime in the future, and we better listen. And that's what Jesus wanted people to listen, people to do when they heard Him speak. He wanted him to listen. That's what He wants us to do today. So you'll see as we go along. In fact, what you'll find is in the Old Testament here, Jesus spoke this way that we should, we were supposed to use the Bible the way we're using it today. To, ver- to verify and validate that he was who he said he was, the Son of God. Jesus was speaking to two people who were traveling from Jerusalem to a city, a small town called Emmaus after the crucifixion had happened. They were traveling on Easter Sunday, and they'd heard reports that Jesus, Jesus had risen from the dead, and they didn't know if those were true. They just knew that Jesus died, and they were really disappointed, and Jesus was walking along the road with them, but he had kept them from recognizing him, and here's what he said to them. You foolish people, this is from Luke 24, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Today you're going to see that in Psalm 22, a lot of predictions that should have been seen. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, including David, whom we'll read today, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. In John 5, Jesus is being confronted by some experts in the Old Testament, and they keep trying to point out that Jesus was not the Messiah, and they were trying to uh, massage scriptures and move things around. And here's what Jesus said to them You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. And Jesus said they point to me. And so. One of the things that I hope that you will be like I was when the first time I read Psalm 22 and then compared it with some of the things that we're talking about in the New Testament, because you read it and then compare and read it and then compare and you go, how did anybody miss this? And that's where God wants us to be. That's where Jesus wants us to be. Because then when we read, we read the New Testament about how we're supposed to live, he wants us to go, John, don't miss this. And that's why this is so important to our faith. I hope you'll be greatly encouraged today. We have a Bible, and this is a life application. We have a Bible we can trust. We can trust the Bible as a reliable guide in all matters of faith and practice. I ought to say that more than once. Uh, Yeah, I do, all the time. In fact, can we read that life application together, please? We can trust the Bible as a reliable guide in all matters of faith and practice. Jesus wanted his hearers to trust the Bible. Still wants his hearers to trust the Bible today. So let's jump right in. Point two, David perfectly described Jesus' anguish as he felt deserted by his Father while on the cross. Now again, what I've done here, you could uh, with the outline, I've tried to mirror this, as if you had Psalm 22 and then parts of Matthew 27 and John 19 and others that I'll be referring to, where you'd read a verse and then look at the New Testament fulfillment. If you were doing this, this is the way it would work in a hard copy of the whole Bible, but on your outline, I've just hit some highlights here at of Psalm 22. The first is verse 1. It was written by David, whom the Bible describes as a man after God's own heart. Here's what he said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away? when I groan for help? And actually, this is a song that the Hebrews would sing. And you go, well, why on earth? In fact, the, the notation at the beginning of Psalm 22 is for the director of music to the tune of Doe of the Morning, a Psalm of David. They sang it to a tune and the first line was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, why would anybody write that in a song that you're singing to God? Because God wants us to know we can come to him even when he feels far away. It's okay to cry out to him. He wants us to cry out to him. Jesus quoted this while he was hanging on the cross. So that was Psalm 22.1. Here's Matthew 27.46. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out in a loud, loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Same thing. Well, why would Jesus ever cry that out? Well, he cried that out because, and this is a verse that's not, you can write this in the margin here, 2 Corinthians 5.21. What was going on? And can you guys put that on the screen for us, please? 2 Corinthians 5.21, something reminds us that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, there was an exchange. Jesus became sin, and all the wrath of God toward sin, toward sinners, the sin punishment that I deserve, that you deserve, all of our sin and all the wickedness, all the wrath of God toward that was poured out on Jesus right there on the cross. He had never sinned. And while he was hanging on the cross, he experienced all of our sin. And the wrath of his heavenly father was poured out on him. That's why he was beaten so mercilessly and mocked and mistreated so. All the punishment that we deserve was poured out on him. And he goes, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is there a life application in this? Yeah. That's this. Jesus understands us when God seems far away. Do you know that Jesus understands you when God seems far away? Hebrews 4.15, This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. I had two conversations with people this week, going through hard times in their life, and it was interesting. Both of them said, you know, I don't know why I did this. I don't know why I put off talking to you so long, but when life got hard, that's when I ran away from God, and they both went, I guess that wasn't a very good idea, was it? No! No! I mean, I show people this all the time. They go, well, I don't think God understands me. Can I read a verse out of the Bible for you? Read them in Psalm 22.1. Who wrote that? They go, I don't know. David, a man after God's own heart. The same David who killed Goliath with a sling and a stone. Best king Israel ever had. A guy blessed by God himself. Did he know what it was like to feel like God was far away? Yes. Who else quoted that? Jesus while he was hanging on the cross. So can I remind us? that it's okay to cry out to God. Jesus did. David did. And these things are in Scripture to remind us that when we're going through hard times, God wants us to cry out to Him. He understands us. We have a high priest. This isn't God way off in heaven who doesn't, who doesn't get it when life treats us badly. Jesus came to deal with that. That's why He came to die on the cross. To set things right. And He understands us. Point three, not only did David in verse one there of Psalm 22 describe perfectly that Jesus felt deserted by his father while he was on the cross. Point three, David also perfectly described how Jesus was mocked and ridiculed while he hung on the cross. And this one, I'll need you to take your outline and flip it back and forth. Let me read these back to back. Psalm 22, six through eight, I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and they shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Well, then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. Now flip it over. That was Psalm 22. Here's Matthew 27. The people passing by Jesus as he was hanging on the cross shouted abuse, shaking their heads in mockery. Look at you now, they yelled at him. If you're the son of God, then save yourself and come down from the cross. The leading priests, the teachers of the religious law, the elders also mocked Jesus. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he's the king of Israel, is he? Well, let him come down from the cross right now, and we'll believe in him. He trusted in God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I'm the son of God. Wait, Psalm 22. Let the Lord save him, as the Lord loves him so much. Matthew 27. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. The people were, everyone who seeks me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads. The people passing by shouted abuse, shaking their heads, mocking These are written a thousand years apart. How can that be? Because the Bible claims to be God's inspired word. And David was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. So that people would recognize Jesus when he came. And Jesus was correct when he says, the scriptures point to me. Psalm 22 is quoted more than any other psalm in the New Testament. When people go, as an indicator, you should have seen this. Let me show you this. Let me show you this because they wanted everybody to know this is who Jesus was. Now what's really interesting is where it says people were shaking their heads and mocking him, the King James Version has the best translation of this, where it says they shook their heads and mocked him, King James Version says, they shoot out the lip and they wag the head. Shoot out the lip, wag the head. Do you know... When Jesus was dying on the cross for you and me, the devil was inciting as much rage and blasphemy and mockery as he could get out of all the evil people that were surrounding Jesus. Do not ever think for a minute that when Jesus was dying on the cross, everybody was kneeling in prayer around him going, thank you, Lord, that you sent a Savior for us. That wasn't the picture. The disciples had fled. There were a few women standing nearby, but the rest of the people around him, they were doing this. You're the son of God. will come down. Some Messiah. Everybody look at the Messiah. Can we get a round of applause for the Messiah? They were mocking him. Does Jesus know what we've been through? There's a life application for us, by the way. Jesus understands being hurt and misunderstood by others. Again, hey, I can't pray to God. I don't want to pray to God. If there's a God in heaven, he would never allow me to go through this. I don't know. David did. Man, after God's own heart, Jesus did. God understands. If anybody understands what it's like to be hurt and misunderstood, it's Jesus. I mean, Jesus went through level 10 mockery and blasphemy. He never sinned. He became sin on our behalf. What kept him on the cross were not the nails. What kept him on the cross was that he came to die in our place. We get His righteousness, He gets our sin. We get healing, He gets the punishment. He dies, we live forever. Can somebody say amen? amen? That's what was happening. And yet, we run away from God when times get hard. Can I encourage us not to do that? That's a really bad idea. That's why Peter, Peter knew all this. Peter was the one who denied Jesus because he was afraid for his own skin. And yet, Peter was the one who wrote later, "Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you." Can we read that one together too? Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. My goodness, who understands you and me? Jesus does. And don't forget. Uh, One of my boys was first lunar to drive. He put a dent in the fender of my car. And um, I came home, and he had parked it oddly in the driveway at a weird angle so that when I'd pull in, I wouldn't see it. And I told my wife, well, that's weird. Why would he park the car that way? So I walk around the car, and there's a dent. I walk inside, and he's in his room. The door's closed. And I knock on the door. I go, were you going to tell me something? Yeah, I was going to get around to that. Well, we're going to get around to it right now, okay? Do you know the best thing to do? When I told him, I said, look, I understand when you have an accident and you put a dent in the fender or something like this, I get that. Don't run away. Don't hide. Come to me. I'm the one who's going to have to fix it anyway. I mean, right? Do you know what happens when we screw up, we mess up, we do all kinds of things? We run from God. We go, he won't understand. And I had to remind my son, do you think I never put a dent in Grandpa's car? Oh, yeah, I did. Well, Grandpa was nice to you. Oh, know, he was terrible. But anyway, anyway yeah, <laughs> then I told him horror stories so I'd look better. Anyway, no, the, the whole thing is, but here's where it goes. Why would I run from the one who can help me? I said, look, I told my boys this all the time. If you get in trouble, I want you to come to me. I love you. I'm, I'm here to help you. Now, if I know that much as a dad, how much more does our Heavenly Father know? But how would God in heaven understand me? Because he became one of us. And he suffered and died on the cross in my place. He was mocked at level 10. I might have been mocked at level 1. Maybe 0.3 compared to what he's been mocked. He understands. And we can cast all our anxiety on him because he cares for us. Can I encourage us not to run away? Point four, David perfectly described Jesus' suffering and death on the cross And I've got a couple of bullet points here. I want to hit verse 14, verse 15, verse 16. I'll just go. And again, I want you to do it like you were reading the Bible, flipping back and forth. Because this is what happened to me the first time when I read this psalm, when I read through the Bible on my own. I was sitting there reading this going, well, this has to be talking about the crucifixion. And I'd be looking these things up. And so I put these side by side for us here. Verse verse 14 of Psalm 22. This is David. My life is poured out like water. My heart is like wax melting within me. And now let's read from John 19. Jewish leaders didn't want the bodies hanging there the next day, which was a very special Sabbath, because it was the Passover. So they asked Pilate to hasten their deaths by ordering that their legs be broken. Then their bodies would be taken down. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the two men crucified with Jesus. But When they came to Jesus, they saw he was already dead, so they didn't break his legs. One of the soldiers, however, pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water flowed out. My life is poured out like water. My heart is like wax melting within me. He pierced his side with a spear and immediately blood and water flowed out. Why would David write that a thousand years in advance? My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. This is David, Psalm 22, 15. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. This is John 19, verse 28. Jesus knew that his mission was now finished and to fulfill scripture. He said, I am thirsty. Fulfill what scripture? Psalm twenty-two, fifteen. 15. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked with a sponge. So they soaked a sponge in it and put it on a hyssop branch and held it to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, "It's finished. I'm thirsty. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth." Here's another one, Psalm 22:16. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They've pierced my hands and feet. John 19:17. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place of the skull in Hebrew Golgotha, and there they nailed him to the cross, piercing his hands and his feet. You know what's really interesting about this? David wrote that business about piercing his hands and feet a thousand years before Jesus was crucified. Nobody crucified people a thousand years before that. David had never seen a crucifixion. The Roman Empire didn't even exist. Jews didn't practice it. They divide my garments among themselves. This is Psalm 22, 18. They throw dice for my clothing. John 19, 23. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they divided his clothes among the four of them. They also took his robe, but it was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said, rather than tearing it apart, let's throw dice for it. This fulfilled the scripture that says, they divided my garments among themselves and threw dice for my clothing. Psalm 22, 18. Now, if you're not amazed yet, you should be. I mean, how is this possible? How can we be reading something written a thousand years earlier and it's right here because Jesus said, well, these things were written and David was inspired to do this so that you would understand they point to me. God said, I want you to know when my son comes, this is my beloved son. Believe in him. Listen to him. Follow him. And we have the scriptures Because that's still God's desire today. Here's a life application. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we're being tested. Hebrews 2.18. Well, John, isn't that really the same life application you've been making all morning? Yes. (laughs) Yes, because he's been where we are he can understand us. Because I had been a teenager, I can tell my sons I was a teenager once. Granted, covered wagons were still traveling across the West, okay? But I was a teenager once. I understand you. And again, if I can make that case with my kids, how much more can God make that with all of us? Can I remind us again, God cares for us? Can I remind us again, that when he suffered and died on the cross... He went through all that so he can help us. He can help us eternally by taking away our sins and giving us eternal life. But he's not just the God of someday. He's the God of this day, and he can help us right now. And he wants to give us strength for this hour, and he wants to give us comfort in times of need. He wants to give us wisdom where we need it, but we need to come to him, not run away. And that's why I hope we'll look at these scriptures and say, well, if these were all true and we can trust them, If we trust the Old Testament speaking about the new, then why can't we trust the new speaking about us and about what's yet to come still? And we can. We can. Point five. David perfectly described Jesus' desire for us to become his brothers and sisters. Verse twenty-two of Psalm twenty-two. I'll proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I'll praise you among your assembled people. David wrote that. Here's what the writer of Hebrews said in Hebrews 2.11. David was looking forward. The writer of Hebrews was looking back. So now Jesus and the ones he makes holy have the same father. That's why Jesus is not ashamed to call them his brothers and sisters. For he has said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I will praise you among your assembled people. So Jesus said to God, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. I'll praise you among your assembled people. And David said, I will proclaim your name name to my brothers and sisters. I'll praise you among your assembled people. That seems the same. It is. And the life application for you and me is we must believe that God has always wanted to adopt us into his family. Do you know that God loves you? See, it's possible again... When we sin, it's possible when we go through hard times that we can turn our back on God and say, because things are difficult, God has given up on me and God doesn't love me. It's possible when we sin and do foolish things that we can say, God will never forgive me and God won't love me anymore. And yet the Bible says just the opposite. Here's what it says in Ephesians 1, that God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family and bringing, uh, by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. Would you underline that sentence? Do you know that bringing you and me to Jesus so he could adopt us into his family is what God has wanted to do from eternity past? God loves you. His plan has been to rescue you. From eternity past, he has wanted to bring John Schmidt into his family. And you too. He wants to give us a new life. He'll take our sin upon himself He'll place His Holy Spirit inside of us and make us brand new. This is what He wanted to do and it gave Him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace that He has poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. That's undeserved kindness. I don't deserve it and you don't either. But here's the great thing about adoption. The adoptive parents are the ones who go into the orphanage and pick out the little baby and take them home. The baby didn't pick the parents out. The parents picked out the baby. And God picked you and me. Anyone in the sound of my voice here today, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you because he loves you so much. God loved you so much he sent his only son so that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. If that's good news, would you say amen? amen? My friends, this is the good news of Easter. And Jesus didn't want anybody to miss it. He told his disciples, here's what's about to happen. And they didn't understand it until afterward. And then they wrote all this down. And they said, oh, we should have seen it. This is exactly what David was talking about in Psalm 22. Jesus understands what it's like to be far away from God and to feel like God's far away from him. Jesus understands what it's like to be mocked and mistreated. Jesus loves us. What kept him on the cross wasn't the nails. What kept him on the cross was his great love for you and me. And he couldn't wait to call us his brothers and sisters. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, the pain and suffering on the cross. What joy? Well, the thing that gave him great joy, great pleasure, and that was to adopt us into his family. And so Jesus suffered, and the whole time he's suffering on the cross in pain and agony, about to die, he's praying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he was thinking about John Schmidt coming to him. He's thinking about you coming to him. Now, why would I run away from that? Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity this morning just to talk about your word and just to spend some time in prayer. And Father, I thank you for Psalm 22, a song of a cross that was written a thousand years before the crucifixion happened. How in the world that could be possible apart from your spirit is beyond me. But I thank you, Lord, that you inspired David to write these words. I thank you then when people wrote the New Testament, they could go, we should have seen it. And for everybody they wrote for they said, don't you miss it. And so, God, I pray today you've already convinced us that your word is not just an old book. Your word is living and active, and it's not like any other book that's ever been written. I pray also, Lord, you'd convince us that you are a Heavenly Father, and the last person on earth we need to run away from is you you understand us and you love us and you came precisely to die to rescue us because we never could have fixed it ourselves. In just a moment of silence, if you have not yet thanked the Lord for dying on the cross in your place, for coming to earth and becoming one of us so he could rescue us, would you say, Lord, I thank you for Jesus? I thank you for Jesus. And would you also pray for one person right now who's far away from God? If it's you, pray for yourself. Somebody who's far away from God, who's angry and disillusioned with life, maybe, or going through a really hard time, would you pray that they'd give God another chance, that God would bring someone into their lives to remind them of how much He loves them? I thank you for Easter, Lord. I thank you that every year we can remind ourselves of what you did for us and why you came and how much hope you came to give us. I pray, Lord, we won't just celebrate this at Easter, but we'll celebrate it year-round. We pray these things in the name of Christ, the one who suffered in our place, the one who endured the shame of the cross for the joy set before him. That we might all be adopted into his family as brothers and sisters. Pray these things in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. I mean,.